Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective. It's a beautiful Saturday night. Saturday night. Correct. That is correct. And uh, holiday weeks are tough. Right. And and, and, coming off a honeymoon, also coming off messes up the days a little bit. Coming off a honeymoon. Thank you for the people that listened to. I really enjoyed. I listened to it today. The uh, the bonus episode that we did on on the Dallas Mavericks and Dallas sports. and because I never remember any of yeah, those. That's the best part of the bonuses is we record them after we've already recorded. So we never remember what they were about. Right. Ever. And then and, and you listen to it. And it's like, oh, this is so good. Yeah. I don't remember mine after I do them. I'm like, oh, right. this is very right. for the first time. <laughs> hope it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I hope Satchel Paige gets out of the Dominican Republic. <laughs> but anyway, um, how you doing, Zach? Uh, doing well. Had a lovely Thanksgiving in New Jersey with my in-laws and... That is great. Your in-laws uh, ordered a book for me at the Shakespeare Book Company. I had to go get it, and it was thankfully very close to uh, our Airbnb. The Shakespeare Book Company is incredible. It's a wonderful book. I've already started it. Um, and uh, anybody who's never been to Paris, I cannot recommend it enough. It was just the, one of the great experiences of my life. And uh, yeah. you know, to get to share it with my lovely wife was uh, a great thing. I can give or take the French. <laughs> The French aren't so bad. They're like they're very polite. Mm. Like, and it's, it was clear. Like everything you hear about Paris just isn't true. Also, dirt cheap. The most expensive meal during my entire honeymoon was at the airport near the uh, near. Uh, I mean, the hotel near Kennedy Airport, where we needed. We ordered like what were clearly frozen pizzas and what were clearly pigeon wings, and somehow the bill came to two hundred and thirty dollars. <laughs> that was more expensive than any three meals I had in Paris. <laughs> Um, so Zach, having come from France just the other day, oh, no. I know that Bart was sent to France oh, no. went to work, uh, in, in the vineyards, uh, and a foreign exchange student named Axel Hoxel, um, was sent to the Simpsons and he called and he, he developed a very special relationship for Mr. Homer, but he was a spy for what country? I've only seen this episode like two times. And the last time I saw it was 20 years ago, probably. It, it, somebody mentioned to me that the, the time that they realized that the Simpsons were geniuses is as he's riding on the, as he's taking the wagon to the vineyard and Bart's going through all these famous French paint, like all these behind them were all these famous French paintings. Like say he's passing the, the, the cathedral for Monet, he's passing the, the uh, gardens. It's like he just goes from painting to painting to painting, and they don't say anything about it. And if you don't know that that's what's happening, you just missed the joke entirely. The the second you started this question, I knew it was going to be about this episode, <laughs> which I immediately got nervous about because I don't really know this episode. But I am going to go with Belgium. Belgium, famously not an enemy of the United States, it's Albania. <laughs> also, not an enemy of the United States. <laughs> well. But the, the show was made. It was I mean, behind the Iron, yeah. Yeah, it was behind the Iron Curtain. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm very well. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. Uh, it was good. Uh, yeah, good to see family and that's good great. food. Yeah, good what food. We had good food. We had another Thanksgiving Delicious dinner food. that could yes. not be beat. Uh, to quote uh, um, Alice's Restaurant tonight, because uh, my lovely wife decided to make another thing, uh, make a Thanksgiving meal because I missed ours. So fantastic. Uh, yeah. So, Andrew. Fran Tarkington, who's been the subject of a dead or alive before, has the all-time most wins of a Viking quarterback. He had 95. Who is second 
was 63. His last year with the Vikings was the first year of your life, I believe. You were born in 89? 88. 88. So, yeah. So, he, he was he in your lifetime, he was a quarterback of the Vikings. He has his second most wins. Who is it? And is he dead or alive? One-time Pro Bowler. Um, I could have guessed this for six months and not gotten it right. One-time Pro Bowler. Um, I won, won a couple of playoff games. You get 63 wins. 63 wins. Yeah, yeah you, you could get somewhere. Jeez. In some of those seasons, were probably, he, what, 14-game seasons? No, the 16, there's all 16. He, all 16. He, he is in the College Football Hall of Fame. I don't know. Jim Zorn. No, Jim Zorn was, was no, the Seahawks. Yeah, he did he did play. The Vikings had a large number of quarterbacks who made the reputation somewhere else, came and had a couple of good seasons with the Vikings. Uh, I mean, think about it. That's true of uh, of, of, of uh, Randall Cunningham. Sure. It's true of Warren Moon. It's yeah. true of Brent Favre. But this guy only played for them. It was Tommy Kramer. Tommy Kramer. Yeah. Fuck. Right. So is he dead or alive? Last year was, I'll say he's alive. Yeah, it's, he's a quarterback. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're all over. Forever. So what will you be ranting about tonight? My outsized expectations for this season's uh, University of Connecticut men's basketball team. The early, the early returns are good. Let me just say that. And and you don't mention your rants, I'm guessing, as though I hadn't heard them. Are the women going to make the Final Four? 15 years in a row? Yes, okay. I would say so. I, I th- They will... There is no way the NCAA will not gerrymander it so they can make the, the final four. Like, they're going to play the first two games where, like, Bridgeport. Bridgeport. They'll play a regional on the East Coast. They'll and play then, a regional yeah. in, in yeah. Brooklyn. No, Brooklyn, no, normally. Well, yeah. the, well, they used to do the first two games were in G- uh, Gamble. Then the regionals were in Bridgeport. Because my parents always got tickets to the regional finals. Mm-hmm. And if, for Christmas, and if UConn didn't make that they would never have gone in a million years, <laughs> but there was no chance of making. Well, you'll be ranting about Zach. I'll be ranting about uh, sports betting shows and just God, they're awful. <laughs> and I, I will be ranting about the fact that I, as someone who never, ever, ever watches a halftime or pregame show, realized for the first time today that Urban Meyer somehow is still on television. And what's our main topic, hey, yeah, Andrew? What's our main yeah. topic? Uh, recapping and looking forward, basically, to 2022 midterm uh, postmortem. Right? Is that the right word for it? Postmortem. <laughs> Debrief. Sure. Debrief. You know what? We didn't die. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it, fair. It, it's, like <laughs> talking, close. it's like talking over a mildly ill relative. One of our candidates literally almost did die. So, <laughs> yes, that's true. Remember, uh, who was the guy? Langford? Yeah. Uh, who, who won? He lost to a dead guy. Yeah. And then, so George W. Bush, who hired only the best people, uh, made him attorney general. Yeah. 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 He, yeah, he, he lost to the dead guy in Michigan, I right. believe. Or Minnesota. No, it was Indiana. Indiana. Um, a recent poll of historians. Every year they do a poll of the worst presidents in history. So Trump ended up the third worst. It's really, really tough to beat Andrew Johnson and Buchanan. Yeah. Although Buchanan had baby goats. So I always, I always put him... Instead of a dog. And then Bush was the sixth worst. George W. Bush. Wait, so, Bush one was worse. He was worse than Bush two? No, Bush. Oh, Bush uh, George W. Bush yeah. was the sixth worst. George, George H. W. Bush was in the top half. Yeah. Which good. is fair. Yeah. Bush being sixth worst is good. Yeah. Right. He's a war yeah. criminal. And with that, 
We'll be back on the Bill Bradley Collective. Driving into the crossroads of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts, Ed, Zach, and Andrew. So to start us off this week, I wanted to touch on something that I've seen happening more and more in the sports world, uh, which are sports betting shows with these kind of random cast of characters who go on there and basically tell you how to bet. And I did this because, you know, over the over the week, I got to uh, place a lot of bets on Thanksgiving on all the games. My A couple of them came in, so I was very happy about that. But when a couple of them came in, I was not asked to host the show on sports betting, breaking down the odds of the game like I'm some kind of over Adderall frat brother, which is what these shows tend to be. It's just it, it it's just random. Who are these guys? Like these guys that are on Twitter and then they get a sports show making six figures a year sports betting. They're like they never tell you what their record is. Because their record's always like 22 and 78. Nobody's ever up in betting. But they'll be like, oh, my Manic Monday bet is 8-2 and two this season. And it's like, okay, what was that bet? You know, what's your overall record? And they have like no accountability here. And we've only seen these shows like grow in popularity with the rise in sports betting. And I don't know. Just Have you ever watched any of these shows? Like this, they just seem like clown shows. For sure. We're so inundated with this shit. It's, I mean, you can't watch a game. I mean, every other commercial seems to be for FanDuel or DraftKings. To your point, Bob Vulgaris, Harala Bob Vulgaris, NBA better. He's very popular on Twitter, NBA circles. Actually worked in the Dallas Mavs for an office for a few years recently. And he used to always say, like years ago, he's like, the real, if you're like a tout, somebody that's like on TV, on these shows, like touting picks, you, you could make so much more, if you were actually good at what you're doing, you can make so much more money actually betting the games than like yes. touting these picks. Like, there's more money if you were actually good at what you're doing. You would you wouldn't be on TV because you wouldn't you would not be letting the public know of your of your action really. Um, which I find interesting that whole dynamic where like the, the real sharps aren't the ones on those shows. So you know? yeah, I mean, these go back when I was betting football in the early '80s, like 1981 and '82. They had these shows on. Also, and they were exactly the same. They, 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 like, there is nothing different about the show now. They, there's been no progress made in 41 years, except it's a younger crowd. They used to be older guys. Now they're younger guys. Warren Sharp, I used to listen to sometimes. He, I think he he handles so much money that it probably he can't he doesn't care about affecting the odds. But even then, he's pretty circumspect, and and I don't know how good he is. Like. He makes money because he he makes money the way a hedge fund manager makes money. It's not his money in there. You're giving him money, and he's putting it down for you, and you're giving him the returns, and he's taking a piece of it. Yeah, he's taking the vig. Right, and 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 you know, I mean, yeah, he has his own vig. You're paying a double vig. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I, I agree, but there's nothing you're going to do about it. I mean, cousin Sal has his own no, show. Just, there's there's nothing gonna you can do. More of them. I mean, yeah, Fox. I mean, it's on Fox Sports One. It's on ESPN News every Monday through Friday, every day. You can't, and now it's like the bottom line on ESPN, over under the line. I mean, ten years ago, that was 
that was not the case, but now it's it's just it is yeah. in your face. You have to watch Al Michaels to know what the over under yeah. is. Yeah, Al Michaels yeah. always know it. So I was watching uh, this Saturday. I was watching the Ohio State uh, Michigan game, and normally if I'm watching a game, I'm in a bar and I don't pay any attention to the the halftime shows. I just turn, I pivot, and look at another game. And somehow it had escaped my attention that Urban Myers is still on Fox. And I was listening to him, and he added literally nothing at all to the broadcast. He had nothing of interest to say. He had no particular strategy. And I thought, like, first of all, he behaved abominably yeah. last year. He kicked somebody. He kicked a grown man for missing a kid. For, well, I forget why. I missing uh, for missing a field goal. For missing a field goal. He kicked a grown man. He's a 57-year-old guy kicking another man. It's like, that's hard to do. But he also asked who number 99 was during one of the games because because he clearly hadn't paid any attention. It was Aaron Donald. He showed he knows very little. He knows how to recruit, and he knows how to cheat. He knows how to do those things. He knows how to run a criminal organization um, with his players. He doesn't know football. Why is he on? I don't want to hear one more thing about cancel culture from a white person. Right? We know one thing. Rich white guys are never canceled. Trump's running for president. Urban Myers is on television. They never. Louis C.K. Is, has another, is doing a tour talking about the blowback on the fact that he used to masturbate in front of female comics. There's, they're never canceled. They never go away. Yeah, I mean, Urban Meyer's been on TV pretty much this whole season. Um, really brings, like, nothing to the table. Isn't it really interesting? He's not, like, a captivating guy. Like, you know, you watch the Thursday night football stuff, like Fitzpatrick, Sherman are captivating guys. They're entertaining. Like, they're engaging. And they, you, and they have insight. They have insight. You Like, you can learn about the game from listening to them talk. And Urban Meyer just seems like he's there to collect a paycheck. When he, when he was coaching. Dan Olaski is, is the other one. Olaski's a really good guy, too, yeah. Makes me feel really old, the fact that, like, Myers' cohorts on that Fox pregame, <clears throat> it's Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner and Brady Quinn, guys that were, like, in college playing college football, like, when I was in college. So now that they're in the, right. uh, at the desk, it's I, I feel really old. And to that point, like, Meyer is just way out of place, too. Like, it, what, what is his role with these, like, kind of young, good-looking, charismatic guys? Um, whether their takes are... I, you know, I don't watch the pregame shows, really. But... He's he's just totally miscast here. What, why? What what is what what is the allure to Fox? Like, oh, we gotta get Meyer just got fired. Oh, think let's bring him back. Like, why? What what does he bring? Nothing. No one. I guarantee you, there was not one person in America who said I wasn't going to watch Michigan Ohio State, but because Urban Myers is on the halftime show, now I'll stick with it. I really thought he was going to Nebraska. Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> and now Matt Rule, Matt Rule, very nearly a Jets coach. Was, that yes. was almost a done deal years ago. Big things happening in Husker Nation. Absolutely, and good good win today. <laughs> yesterday, yeah, oh, yesterday, Absolutely. good win yesterday. Absolutely. Um, yeah, to wrap up the rants here, indulge me for a minute. Let's go back to like Feb January 2020. This is pre. Feels like forever ago. It was actually less than three years ago. I, we, you know, it was like a pandemic happened, and lots happened in the last, you know, three an insurrection. Years. An insurrection, please. A lot of, a lot of shit since January 2020. Um, that day, 
uh, UConn basketball coach Dan Hurley was in his second season um, at the helm of the UConn team. And they lost a tough, they were still in the American Athletic Conference at the time. It was their last season there. And they had just lost a really tough uh, non-conference road game to Villanova. And at his post-game press conference, he, he closed his last statement. This is what he said right before he got up. He's like, listen, he's like, look, all I'm going to say is you better get us now um, because we're coming. It's coming. And he gets up and he walks off. Now, in between then and now, UConn's had, they're back in the Big East had two seasons where they made the NCAA tournament. They were one and done both times. But there was some growth from the sort of the way Ali left the program, Kevin Ali left the program in 2017, 2018, um, to now. You know, there's been progress. And I was very critical of Hurley at the end of last season. I thought he kind of had to like maybe tone down some of his rhetoric, relax, you know, maybe let's let's win a tournament game before we get, you know, get on this high horse. This UConn team, the 2022-2023 iteration, coming off now, um, as we're recording this last night, knocked off nationally ranked and favored Alabama the night before. They they just absolutely destroyed an Oregon team that was basically playing a de facto home game as they're playing in a tournament in Portland right now. Um, I've seen enough of this team to say, guess what? Not only is it coming, it's here. Um, this is the best looking UConn team I have seen in many, many years. We're going back to Calhoun, late Calhoun. Um, this team has everything. This team is, I mean, this is year five for Hurley. And if Hurley had a five-year plan, this is it. Look, they're 7-0. It's really early. They haven't played a single Big East Conference game. Uh, tomorrow, they're going to play Iowa State. By the time you hear this, uh, I, I, they're favored in the game. I assume they're going to win and win this Phil Knight Invitational Tournament. Um, I'll say it now. November, sorry, November 26th, UConn might be the best team in the country. And I think they're going to be in the top 10, possibly higher, um, come Monday in the polls. Buy stock now. Get there. Get a bet down. Uh, yeah, but you're not going to get them. You're not going to get longer title odds on UConn than you are today. The, the odds are only going to get um, increasingly worse, worse um, because this, this team they have it all inside, outside, defense, shooting. Which the last two Hurley teams, what held them back? Three point. This team is a. <laughs> it's it, they've been a joy to watch. And again, it's early. A lot more left to be played. Buy stock now. Yeah, this team is really good on both sides of the court. And they didn't just like beat Alabama. They kind of just dismantled them. Uh, that game was not competitive at all. Never trailed. Never trailed. Um, Alabama's, 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 good. What was it? it was 15 at one point. Yeah, they won by, I think they won by 12. They won by 12. Yeah. I think I got up to 15 at the highest. Most of the game was a most of the second half um, was a double-digit game. But this is like, this is also Hurley's team. You know, 2020, that's Kevin Ali's team. 2022, this is... This is Hurley's team, and you can see the difference in the way UConn's played this year. Uh, their freshman recruits are awesome. They've got this six eleven kid from Bristol, Bristol, yeah, who's yeah. just looks like he's going to be a stud. Yeah, and Sonoga, what he's a sophomore or a junior? He's a junior, uh, likely All American. Better hope he stays another year because yeah, he is, and he is going to the NBA. He's he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I actually watched. <coughs> Quite a bit of that game. It was on. I was at uh, a bar, and I was. It was next to the football game, so I was going back and forth. And the thing that struck me was the shooting, because UConn, especially, but college basketball in general, a wide open seventeen footer may as well be from half court. Like they, they just nobody nobody hits anything. Um, and they they the guys had nice strokes. They moved the ball well. 
it was a joy to watch them. And, uh, you know, I mean, we, we started with uh, the rants with Zach saying, why do people give advice on betting? And we ended up with getting advice on betting. So we came, we've come full circle. I spent most of this past week down pretty bad with a cold, so I spent a lot of time just like in front of the TV, and there was a ton of college basketball on. I watched a lot of college basketball Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, saw a lot of good teams, a lot of like the Maui Invitational, this Phil Knight thing that UConn's in. I'm telling you right now, I think UConn is the best team I've seen uh, this year. Um, yeah, you missed some. Get game. on board, baby. You missed some great games in the Cayman Island Classic. How about Ishmael Legette, dude? What was that like? What do you have, like thirty one? Oh, thirty one, thirty one. Career high. Woo. Good stuff. Um, I assume that's URI. URI, yeah. 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 Did, how'd they do? Uh, not well. <laughs> <laughs> Long season. Like, it's a lot of ball left. A lot of ball left. So, after the break, we are going to uh, take a look back at the fallout from the 2022 midterm elections. What happened? What's going to happen going forward? The impact of the results? It's all next here on the Bill Bradley Collective. Hi, Gordon. What you been up to? Big things, Fred. I'm a full-time student at bartending college. Wow. I never had time for a formal education. Well, I decided to make time, but it's not easy. Bartending college is a four-week course. Gee, how far along are you? Well, let's see. This is Tuesday, the third week. Hey, I'm a junior, and I'm late for a daiquiri lecture. Why don't you join me? Why not? Bartending college. You've already spent enough time on the other side of the bar to qualify for enrollment. Bartending college. We'll teach you everything you need to know. You'll get a starter set of bartenders jokes like, So I says to the guy, you can stay, but the cow's gotta go. <laughs> Bartending college. You'll learn how to roll drunks, water the liquor, and skim the cash register. And remember, as the bartender, you drink for free. For free. free. Last call for integrity. So welcome back. So we have now had the advantage of a couple of weeks from the election. It's, it's going to be three weeks as this episode comes out. Most of the results are in. Um, in what was being called a red wave, just hasn't been a red wave at all. It's been it was the least successful, the least successful midterms in, since the fifties, something like that. Since like Eisenhower, right? When you had both very high inflation and a president who is underwater by 12 points yeah underwater right he's not his approval rating is like 36 percent yeah i think that is in some ways a fake number because liberals are annoyed by him sometimes but like mm. it's more than like it's not like i don't think it's a hardcore opposition that trump would get like with 36 percent of the country loved him and 64 percent of the country absolutely hated him biden it's like 30 Forty percent of the country absolutely hates him because he's a Democrat, and then there's a whole bunch of people who find him mildly disappointing. I don't know, Andrew, if you agree with that. There's a certain apathy, I, yeah. I, I would term it. Yeah, he's like, he's kind of like the uncle that if he shows up for Thanksgiving, it's fine, but if he doesn't, that's probably even a little better. Like, I I've never talked to anyone who says, "Why well, I'm really glad, I'm really hoping he runs for election." When uh, one of the exit polls that was done during this election, had a question on it that said, do you want Joe Biden to run in 2024? And among Democrats, it was overwhelmingly no. They, so, some of that's age. A lot of that's age. I mean, fairly. I don't think that's unfair. Yeah, I think, like, it, it feels like if you talk about Biden's mental competence that, like, you must be a right-wing conspiracy theorist, but, like, his mental competence is... Shaky at best at times. He's in his 80s, and he 
acts like a man in his eighties. And yes. and that's I mean, I think I think he's he's had a successful pres- presidency without having an inspiring presidency. He's actually almost the opposite of Obama, who had an inspiring presidency, but it wasn't all that successful. Nobody's inspired by him, but he got a, he got a lot of shit done. Maybe not as much as he should have, but he got a lot of shit done. He's doing things. He's got that old Irish energy. <laughs> but he, he, the thing with him that I think was really interesting was he was not the president or presidential candidate that was a drag on the ticket. It was Donald Trump that was the drag on the ticket. He brought down um, all of his candidates except for J.D. Vance because he didn't even support Ron Johnson, correct? He, he didn't support Ron. He, he, he. Or didn't he do like a lukewarm thing at the end? It was lukewarm. He, he like he, slapped him when he did it. Yeah, right. He, he brought him on. You he, remember that? Yeah, he does that thing that he does where you, he, you come on, he gives, he humiliates you and then endorses you. Yeah. So either way he wins. Because he's the worst person who's ever lived. And, but yeah, like in, among all the races, like, you know, Dr. Oz and Mastriano, both in, both the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania races, he was supposed to, you know, put him over the finish line. He had a rally with Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. And Oz lost by five points. To a man who had a stroke. <laughs> right. Who I watched the debate. Not very confident he can put many sentences together. I mean, he, I, like, I'm hoping that, I mean, I'm, there are ways to adapt for this. Stroke victims aren't dead. Like, right. they, they can come back. I, and, they nor, probably just need time. Nor are they Dr. Oz. Yeah, nor are they Dr. <laughs> Oz. Um, so so let's go to the, let's talk a little bit about the Johnson and, and Barnes races, which I think are instructive. The Johnson, uh, Johnson Mandela Barnes, you know, in Wisconsin, and the uh, J.D. Vance, Tim Ryan race in Ohio. The Republicans sunk a shit. The Republican Senate National Senate Committee, which did not have a good a good year. New. It turns out, uh, what's his name? Rick, Rick, Scott. Rick Scott. Turns out, Rick Scott's right. not not great at his right. job. <laughs> when you when you when you hire somebody who is a midnight oil tribute band singer uh, to be your um, and the perpetrator of the largest Medicare fraud yeah. in history. And because he's a rich white guy, his punishment was he got to be a governor and then a senator. Um, can we just? Well, we'll get into that later. I, I'm I'm just so done with Florida as a place. I, I just thank God it'll be underwater. And tell you what, Ron DeSantis. Well, we'll get into that in yeah. 2024. But 20 points, man. Yeah, he he whooped Charlie Crist. Popular dude somehow. Well, uh, yeah. well. Also, Charlie Chris, uh, yeah, a terrible, terrible candidate. Terrible, yeah, terrible candidate. Regardless, the the Senate and and we've run into this. We've we've complained about this since the show started. The Democratic Party Senate Committee sank every dollar they could find into Tim Ryan in Ohio, in what has weirdly become the. Most conservative Rust Belt state. Yeah, uh, it's more conservative. It's more conservative than Kansas. Kansas has a Democratic governor. I uh, think Ohio has the trifecta at the state level, and the only Democrat sitting there is Sherrod Brown. Right, right. They do have Sherrod Brown, who, and, and you know, God, it, who's the governor? Is it uh, Dewine? Dewine. Dewine. Dewine right. Dewine. Right. Who? 
awful. Yeah, he he's an anti. He was a never Trumper, but no, that's fine. But that's not that that's not a thing. Like you don't get a pass because like it's like it's like you own a dog. He said, "Well, he, you know, he doesn't breed the dogs to fight, so he must be a good guy." No, no, you don't breed dogs to fight. You know, you don't support Donald Trump. Yeah. Those things are okay. But um, and they put no money in the Mandela Barnes campaign. No, they right. didn't. They did the, the in with two weeks out. Um, Vance was up by like. Four in the polls, and Barnes was down, and Johnson over Barnes was only like one or two, and they did like a one point five million dollar ad buy in Ohio. Like they just put millions of dollars into Ohio. How many points did Johnson win by? Less than one. Less than, Less one. than one. He won with fifty point five percent, and Mandela Barnes had like forty nine point eight. And and by the way, it's not like Mandela Barnes is an unknown figure. He's the lieutenant governor of the state. Yeah, you know, what I mean, and a progressive. Well, and it's and super progressive, which by the way, which and uh, black, yeah. But let's hold, let's stop right there for a second, because Tim Ryan in Ohio, not progressive at all. Nope, very moderate. Ran on an anti-crime um, platform, basically very Republican, nineteen ninety. If anyone remembers, you know the yep. Bob Dole, George Bush, tough on crime ads. Yep. Uh, he which, ran, a, which a lot of Republic, a lot of Republicans ran on tough on crime. Rudy, yeah, yeah. and he, you know, well, he ran. Now, I mean, he ran on tough on crime, and got his ass kicked. And yep. the Democrats keep picking these, like, like they tried to do in Pennsylvania with Connor Lamb when they tried to put tip the scales against Fetterman. Well, true. for Connor for Connor Lamb, Connor Lamb gets his ass kicked in the primary, and then Fetterman kicks Oz's ass because he they, wins over Republican voters. Right, and Mandela it, Barnes probably won over Republican voters, or, or more than that. I think he gets Democrats out. Yes, there are more Democrats than there are Republicans. You can get them out. You just have to get them out, and um, you have to get young people out. This election, one of the reasons that this election went so well for the Democrats, and, and so well is a relative term. We lost the House. Um, but we turned state legislatures at a level that hasn't been done in memory, and that's a big deal. That's an especially big deal with 2024 and election denying coming up. What do we have, like eight Democratic female governors or something like that? Right, and we had, we had I think there are more trifectas now for blues than there are for reds. It's close. Yeah, it was it was an interesting race because a lot of Gen Zers voted. Um, yeah, but the most in in history. Which is like Andrew, do you you know on Twitter when you're reading the news and stuff, when you look at engagements, it's never Gen Zers. Like no, they're not. No. They don't seem engaged at all. And then all of a sudden they show up and sure. vote in massive numbers and stop. You know, I mean, if this if this election goes, you know. The way it was looking, 54, 46 Republicans in the Senate, Republicans in the House with 50-seat margin. Like, we could have been in for some really bad shit over the next two years. Young people disrupted the so-called red wave. I mean, it was young people that kind of made, you know, were the difference between a red wave and what we actually got, you know. And and one of the really interesting things, and and I I read this in, in Our Times, which is a progressive magazine that I was just telling the guys... I somehow have paid to get both online and in print because that's the way the Girl Scouts work. It's a it's a racket. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a uh, 
I would like to see the rac- it, They should get racketeering charges. That would be pretty cool if the Girl Scouts of America got racketeering charges. Juliet, Juliet facing RICO violations. <laughs> yeah, the five families and the sixth family is the Girl Scouts of America. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But anyway, they were pointing out that the 18 to 29-year-olds especially showed up in rural counties. In Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer won in regions that have not, in, in counties that have not voted for a Democrat in memory. And it's because so many young people who are in rural areas, and we always think like the, the one thing young people know is they want to get out of rural areas, but young people in rural areas voted in large numbers and they like that really helped in Michigan. She pounded Tudor Dixon. Yeah. So let's let's get into what these results mean so that we can get into 2024 because you touched on Michigan and I'm itching to get into 2024 since. So, so let's talk about what it means. For, well, before we get to 2024, because we should probably think about the two years that, that intercede. Um, well, the presidential election started, what, nine days after the election or six days. Trump so, announced uh, on the 14th. So, so, all right. So why don't we talk about this first? Then? Trump announced on the 16th. The guest list at Mar-a-Lago uh, for the event featured the my pillow guy um nick fuentes um and kanye west kanye west yee <laughs> um, yay 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 kanye kanye west <laughs> um kanye, right. kanye is a shakespearean poet <laughs> <laughs> yay I, i'm just not saying yay when it comes to him uh and um but notably kevin mccarthy didn't go I mean, this is a man that used to pick out the yellow Starburst because those are the only ones that, that Trump liked and bring him bags of yellow Starburst every time he met him. <laughs> like, because, because frankly, because blowing him publicly was not going to work. So, yeah, Jim Jordan wasn't there. Jim Jordan wasn't there. The gang was not all there. No, they, they avoided the play. Johnson didn't go. Well, it, it turns out if you drag down an entire party's ticket, the establishment. And McCarthy is the establishment. Jim Jordan is the establishment. Those guys, they're not with you anymore. Now you're a loser. It's Trump's worst fear come true. What if I'm a loser? So so here's the issue that I, I'm, I'm bringing to you guys. The majority in the House, very narrow. It's very narrow. Uh, four seats? Yeah. Right? You know, right. I think it's four seats. You only have to turn a couple of people to get shit done. Just a couple. Is the time of Trump making it more likely or less likely that there are going to be Republicans who are saying, I think I want to side with the other side occasionally? Because we haven't seen that since Gingrich. I mean, it's hard not to look at the results and not think that it's a, it was a pretty strong rebuke of Trump. Um, I'd like to think that, yes, that, that, that people would be more inclined to kind of, you know, jump to the other side on some things. But I don't... Or, I, or at least not obstruct everything. I, I think quite the opposite. I think we're going to see them get more battened down the hatches... We've got a four-vote majority. Everybody get in line. I think we're going to see impeachments. 
not not impeachment, impeachments. I think we're going to see investigations. Um, we're going to see budget discussions be a fucking nightmare uh, for the next two years. Um, the Republican Party is they didn't get less extreme. Like Trump's candidates lost, but the but the Republican candidates that were still sycophantically for Trump and still all in line with his agenda are still there. They still won. I mean, McCarthy, there's this whole uh, storyline brewing about a McCarthy floor fight for his speakership because he didn't support Trump enough. Question for you guys. Do you think there's potential for this party, for the party to get like, is there going to be a fracture, like a real actual fracture over the next couple? I mean, you know, people hitch into the DeSantis, people hitch into Trump. Like, is there going to be I, a sort of... I think we I are know. more likely to see Kevin McCarthy and... Are they going to circle the wagons? And I think we're likely know. to see Kevin McCarthy and Hakeem Jeffries make a deal that pisses off the progressive wing and alienates the Trump wing, and they pass all the votes with moderate Republicans and moderate Dems. I could see that being the third way, but the Democrats, you know, we're so weak need and jellyfish spined that we just come back to the fold anyway from the left we wouldn't care but on the right but, that would be like you know that's a but, blood feud but but yeah but part of that zach is there was never a chance never once in 2016 that bernie sanders would run as an independent against hillary clinton in a general election they're like no one thought what if bernie runs third party I talked to people who wanted him to, but Bernie made it clear I'm not doing that. No. There, because it's it's bad for, because even whatever his disagreements are with the Democratic Party, whatever his disagreements are with Hillary Clinton, and they're and they're vast, and in my opinion, he's correct on almost all of them. And I say almost because I'm sure there's something he said that was stupid. Oh, guns, guns, yeah, guns. So how's that guns? Yeah, guns, <laughs> right? But I think the chance of Trump running as a third party candidate is not zero. I don't even think it's, I think it's probably, I don't think he can get the, the nomination, but I think the chance of him running as an independent is over 20%. Oh, I agree. But, and that would, and that would, that would fracture the party but, irreparably. But, and this is, these are all going to be the things that we see. The machinations of this is going to reveal itself over the next two years. As Trump ramps up his presidential election, we're going to see where the Republican Party in the House stands, how aggressive they are on certain issues, where they vote, where they cut deals. Do they raise the debt ceiling? Do they come to a budget agreement? Do they continue funding Ukraine? These kind of things we're going to see happen. But with Trump, I think, running third party, what the Republicans have done is they've gerrymandered themselves into a situation where the far-right election deniers like Lauren Boebert, yeah, she had a close race. She still won. Still won. Marjorie Taylor Greene won by like 40%. Yeah, but I mean, that's, like, that's, but, that is, that but, is the single but, safest district other than AOC's in they, the country. But they've gerrymandered these districts in a way that, yeah, of course the Republicans going to win. And in primaries, the more, the farther to the ideological polls one candidate is, the more likely they are to win. It's how AOC beat Joe Crowley. It's how... Margie Taylor Greene won her primary. I tell Lauren Boebert won her primary because in these primary elections, the farthest edges of the party comes out because that's the base and they're activated versus the moderates who say, nah, I'm okay, I'll vote for whoever. 
I'll just vote for the Democrat. A lot of Democrats don't vote because they just vote for the Democrat on election day. You know, having done a lot of door knocking for a, a Democratic House, a Senate seat in Connecticut, a state Senate seat, I had a whole, whole bunch of people at the door say, well, I, I always just vote for the Democrat. Yep. And at some level, I haven't voted for, I used to vote for at least one Republican all the time, and I don't anymore. Like, I just, I don't, because if you still align with those values, I don't even know what to say. Um, but... But I would never say, well, yeah, I don't care who the candidate is. Like, and many people just don't. It is interesting to see that, yes, a lot of the people, the incumbents haven't changed. You know, like the incumbents that ran and won. But Alaska, I don't think they anyone believed that, that, I mean, for those of you who don't follow Alaskan house races closely, um, and they only have one, they only have one house seat. Yes. Um, because they have ranked choice voting and because the race between Sarah Palin and Barada, I think that was his name, Barada, yeah. um, was so acrimonious that people put the Democrats second to make sure that their candidate didn't win and she won. And that was in August. And I think every single person alive, because Barada didn't run again, thought, well, she's going to have that seat just from August till November, until January, and then she's going to lose because there will only be one Republican in the race. And Sarah Palin lost again. That seat has not been... The guy who had it before her had it for 50 years. I don't think that seat had ever been Democratic in the history of Alaska. And now it is for the second straight election. There is a change coming. I mean, there is a change that we can see. Yeah, that's true. And I thought the thing that 2022 midterms um revealed or what should have revealed is the matchup of 2024 which would have been two governors from two swing states one democrat one republican who had overwhelming victories in their home state running against each other and that would have been gretchen whitmer versus ron DeSantis. that's the 2024 matchup we deserve that is an ideological fight Michigan is run very differently than Florida. Whitmer is smart, progressive, capable. DeSantis is smart and cunning and seems presidential. It would have been compared to the compared to Trump. Compared to Trump. Yeah, I mean, the like, bar for Republicans is now so low. But that should have been, that's the 2024 matchup we should be looking at. We should be talking about Whitmer DeSantis right now. And instead, we're talking about Trump-Biden again. Yeah, I mean... The, the race nobody wants. The Phantom Menace of the Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> the rematch nobody, nobody asked for. Jar Jar yeah. Binks twice. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think... Yeah, I mean, that... that I mean, I've, I've said this to you. I mean, Whitmer's victory, I thought, was... Michigan is not really a swing state anymore. Like, it's just a Democratic state pretty much now. I mean, if you go there, you'll be fine. Um you know, and, and I think that, uh, but I do think that, I think two things came out here. First of all, abortion was on the ballot, five states, most of them red states. Overwhelmingly, the uh, anti-abortion laws were, were lost. They've never won. If you don't win in Kansas, you're not winning. And the abortion issue is not going to be something that goes away. Because, because the Republicans are going to run on abortion. Like they're going yeah. to because they can't get donations any other way. Herschel Walker is still talking about abortion bans. 
Herschel Walker. I saw yeah. a commercial yeah. today watching a football game, and it was, it could have been Kemp. Going, I, it was Kemp going on about Herschel Walker represents family values. It's like, well, yeah, sure, he's got seven of them. Of course, he does. Like, I, you know, I, how is that? How are they not saying, you know what? We'll get the seat back in six years. Why don't we not tie ourselves to every rock and throw ourselves off of every pier? It's about winning now, and he got real close, and he's – there's no guarantee Warnock wins again. Warnock's got like a five-to-one money advantage. He had a money advantage, and he had a money advantage in November 8th, too, and still only pulled out a point lead, and he didn't get to 50%. Right. No, I I realize that. Do you, do you know why they, they have the runoff rule? Stacey Abrams. That was a Stacey Abrams reform in Georgia. So Warnock would have been the 51st senator if Stacey Abrams, who got crushed again for the second time, wasn't busy making those changes. Yeah, she got. She is both everything like and nothing like Beto O'Rourke. I think we're good with Stacey Abrams from here on out. Yeah. Get the vote out in Georgia. Yeah. That's keep important. Do, keep doing that. That's important. We need that state. So, yeah. Good job. Yeah, we don't. And Beto, keep doing your thing. Keep run, run for state rep. I don't know. Do something, Beto. But like these people that just are retreads that we run every year, we just Charlie Crist is running every election of my lifetime. It's it's time, it's time for us to put him out to pasture and say, okay, it's fine. You 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 tried, right? And and with Stacey, Stacey Abrams and Beto Rourke, it's like, hey, like you. If you lived in Connecticut, I'd vote for you. You'd be here, but you know, you live in these these, these places that don't want to vote for you. And all you keep doing is proving that they don't want to vote for you and people keep giving you money, which is why you keep running because now you get to just keep the money. And then you write a book about running and become a millionaire. Right. And then you go, when things start to dry up, you go on MSNBC mm. and then and then you uh, go on the Fox halftime show and work with Urban Meyer. So I think, <laughs> I think, we've, appro- I think we've appropriately... Uh, Brought down the mood of the democratic <laughs> of the the democratic victory. We end with going, man. We got a lot of losers out there, don't we? It, it is the most important thing for me is that it was a great election for young voters. They turned out. That has to keep happening. The two issues that they are that every poll shows are most adamant about is abortion and climate change, and the, the Republicans. That is a very, very clear line that we'll never cross because the donors for the Republican Party will net will demand fidelity to that to those two issues. You cannot talk about climate change if you're a Republican. No. And with that, we'll say good night for the Bill Bradley Collective. As always, we thank you for joining us here. And if you like today's episode, smash that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let's help grow the collective brand. We'll see you all next week on the Bill Bradley Collective.